We hear questions like these all the time. Can TSR injury law help me if I'm hit by a driver with no insurance? Yes. How about if not enough insurance? Yep. If you've been injured, it's TSR time. Call us today for a free consultation at 612-TSR-TIME. Jeff, I am very intrigued by the Vikings' set of receivers. They just added Albert Wilson. We know how good Justin Jefferson can be. We know how good Adam Thielen is when he's healthy. Uh, K.J. Osborne isn't practicing right now, but he can be really talented. They have Smith-Marset. They have B.C. Johnson. A lot of people to get to. Let's start there with Jeff Diamonds, Vikings and NFL Insider, part of the TalkNorth.com podcast network. Jeff, what do you think of this set of receivers? How good can it be, and do you see any worries right now? Yeah, I think it could be excellent and really one of the top groups in the NFL from from one to five or six even potentially where you've got so much experience and quality players and, and a, a superstar at the top, certainly, in, in, in Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, still an, an elite receiver, uh, especially in the red zone. And I was watching at, at OTAs the other day and he made a phenomenal back of the end zone, toe touch, one-handed <laughs> with his right hand, reaching up and grabbing the catch. And, <clears throat> and it kind of prompted afterwards in, in Kevin O'Connell's press conference, the subject came up of, of Thielen in the red zone. And he, and he just was talking about his great ability in the red zone and <clears throat> that what he's done over his career speaks for himself and great feel and knack for understanding where the open spots are and and that Kirk Cousins on that particular play, he, he said he threw Adam open with some trust. And so, which is kind of fun to hear because maybe that's some of the things that we haven't seen as much from Cousins in the past is a little bit, bit of that creativity. And I don't want to call it off schedule, but I think in, in some respects it might've been in this case, and, and so I think that that was really kind of fun to see. But they bring in Albert Wilson, <clears throat> who has had some success in Kansas City, Miami. B.C. Johnson has looked good coming back off his knee injury. And he was a productive player who actually, people forget, he was the starter in mm-hmm. 2020 for a couple of games until the coaches realized, well, this Justin Jefferson guy is pretty good. <laughs> so... Uh, but the BC has has made plays, and there's a particular game against Carolina when when Thielen was out. Uh, I, I think it might have been with COVID, and or or a minor injury, and BC had seven catches, a big game in that against Carolina in a win, and so he's a quality guy too. And then they they draft Naylor. They they've got Amir Marset coming back, and he's been a little banged up in OTAs, but but we saw some good things from him at the end of last season. And KJ Osborne, uh, who I talked to last week, uh, really came on last year as that third receiver. He kind of went into the season, and we were wondering if he'd even make the team. He'd had kind of a lackluster rookie season, but he really had a great second year, had 50 catches, I think, over 600 yards, seven touchdowns. 
And so I, I think they've got a great group of receivers, but it's going to set up some great competition in training camp, definitely, and, and one of the positions of strength, I think, for this football team. And where do you think Albert Wilson fits in, or is he just veteran depth? Yeah, I, I think he's veteran depth right now. I think that they want to see what, what neighbor the draft pick can do. They want to see if if uh, Amir Marset uh, continues to progress. And, and of course, the, the top three are going to be the top three. I, I don't think there's any chance necessarily that Wilson's going to supplant Osborne at this point. But how, how do they compete? How does he compete with B.C. Johnson? And perhaps Albert Wilson in the final analysis may not even make the team, but he might be there just for, for depth and training camp. I'm sure there's not a lot of guarantees in that deal when you sign in free agency this late in the game, unless you're Jadavian Clowney, you're not going to have a lot of, a lot of guarantees in your contract. So, so there's no, there's no certainty that he's going to be there, but I, I think he does. He is a, a veteran and understands the system. And, and I, in terms of understanding three wide receiver looks. And so, yeah, he's spending a lot of time with Keenan McCardle right now getting a feel for the for this new offense but we'll see I think it's, it creates a really good competition at an important position he's Jeff Diamond former Vikings general manager former president of the Tennessee Titans former NFL executive of the year I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune our producer is Brian Burdett this is talknorth.com we've added Dave Lee of WCCO fame Mike Grimm for, with a go gopher podcast Nate Prosser the Pross Box to go with all of our outdoor content, our variety content, and I think the best sports lineup in town. Thanks to White Bear Lake Superstore and TSR Injury Law. Uh, so you you were out there this week. I was not out there. What did you see? What kind of conversations did you have? What's the vibe? Yeah, I think the vibe is 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 really optimistic and positive. And of course, we all we talk about that, and we see that in any sport in spring training and baseball or, or preseason. In, in hockey, basketball, and football, that there is a lot of optimism, but I think it's legit that with, with the, the coaching change and, and the front office change, that there is a, a certainly a positivity going on and, and, and a good vibe. And, and as we said, that, that can last until your first tough loss in regular season, but, but it's, it's definitely a, a feeling of optimism out there. I talked to Irv Smith Jr after practice on Wednesday and and he's of course coming off his knee injury that cost him all last season and and that was a big loss for the Vikings Tyler Conklin stepped in and did a really good job and got himself a a, a free agent deal with the Jets uh, but but Irv I think is a, a potential Pro Bowl player we've seen some some really good splashes from him in his first two seasons and then last year had had the injury he looks healthy said he feels feels really good and he's excited to be back playing and wanting to contribute and and he knows it's an important season for him because it's his fourth year and he could be a free agent next year potentially and a big season for him would obviously pay off big time and in that respect he's kind of similar to osborne who's also going into his fourth year and so i think when you when you think about those kind of guys and and for Irv Smith Jr., he could really benefit if Je Jefferson and, and Thielen and Osborne are getting a lot of attention and coverage 
and then Irv Smith is matched up with linebackers and and safeties, and and he's got some wide receiver ability and speed, and and so I really look for him to have a big year if he can stay healthy, and and it looks like he's on track to do so. And he's also been a pretty good blocker in the past, and we talked about that. And he knows that even though, obviously, you know, three wide wide receiver offense, you're going to be throwing the ball a fair amount. But but he also talked about, hey, when you've got Dalvin Cook, <laughs> you're going to run the ball, and and Alexander Madison, and the depth that they have at running back. And and I saw some exciting things from even Ty Chandler, the fifth round pick, had a couple of really explosive touchdown receptions in OTAs the other day, a, a long catch and run where he flashed his speed. And and so he's a guy that he and, and Wangu are going to compete for that third running back spot and, and potentially a receiver position or return position. So a lot of depth at, at running back too, and perhaps not as much depth at, at tight end now. And Johnny Munt is a guy that signed out of LA. He, he He's more of a, blocking type tight end and so they don't have the overall skill that they had could have had with with Ersmith Jr. and Conklin and even going back two years ago when they had Kyle Rudolph too who was playing pretty well that was a pretty good three tight end group they don't quite have that depth right now apparently but we'll see how Zach Davidson last year's uh, rookie comes on and but I think Ersmith Jr. I'm looking for a big year from him. You told me you had some conversations with some Viking alumni out there. Anybody in particular? Yeah, it was fun to, to see a, a lot of my old friends and guys I worked with and, and knew very well and over the years and guys like Scott Studwell and Chuck Foreman, Randall McDaniel, Paul Krause, Dave Osborne, Ricky Young, uh, Eddie McDaniel. Fun to see Eddie. I hadn't seen him in many, many years, former uh, middle linebacker on our great 98 team that went 15-1. Joey Browner, I hadn't seen in ages. Uh, Leo Lewis. So just a, a, a lot of the, the Viking legends, they called them. We'll, we'll call them alumni that were out attending the OTA. And, and O'Connell came over and visited with them for a few minutes. I, I thought what was really cool, Jim, was after practice to, to kind of see a, a scene with Harrison Smith, Paul Krause, and Joey Browner. Hmm spending a long time conversing after practice and you're talking about really pro bowl Viking safeties from almost three generations. <laughs> when you talk about Krause, who's a hall of famer, Harrison Smith, a five-time pro bowler, Joey Browner, a multi-pro bowler. <clears throat> and it, was, it was really fun to see them talking. And then uh, first round safety, Lewis Seen comes over and meets them and talked for a couple minutes with them. And maybe he picked up a few tips. So, that, that was kind of a cool scene. I remember when I got to town to cover the Vikings, uh, Jerry Burns would speak so reverentially about Joey Browner and in particular his hands. He was always amazed at uh, Joey Browner's hand strength, his ability to just control people, to throw away blocks. Uh, he was he was really a remarkable player. Yeah, he really was. And, and he was one of the few guys on our team back in the late 80s, early 90s, that could actually tackle Barry Sanders. <laughs> yeah. That, that could track him down and at least force him back inside or do something with Barry. Barry Sanders was the best running back I've ever seen in, in my time watching the NFL. And I know there have been great other running backs. And uh, Jim Brown was a little before my time. And 
and certainly Emma Smith, very productive, but Barry Sanders, he was just phenomenal and unstoppable. And Joey Browner was one of the few guys that could actually have a shot at making a tackle on him. Yeah, and you're bringing back memories now. Barry Sanders, I mean, Emma Smith was the most productive. Uh, you know, Gail Sayers, Sayers might have been the most uh, the smoothest, you know, there have been so many, Jim Brown's, Jim Brown might've been the most physically dominant, Earl Campbell right up there, but, but Barry Sanders had to be the hardest back in NFL history to tackle. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that way about Barry Sanders. And if I wasn't involved with the team, it would have been really fun to watch him. <laughs> and I did enjoy watching him when he played other teams on Thanksgiving day or whatever with Detroit. But yeah, he was, wow. He was just scary, scary every time the ball got in his hands. And and the Lions did not have great offensive lines, but he made their offensive lines look pretty good. Yeah, they didn't have great offensive lines. They didn't have great quarterbacks. They occasionally would have a good receiver, but they usually didn't have multiple good receivers. Barry just made people miss all the time, regardless of what was around him. He, he was a stunning athlete to watch. Uh, let's. I have a question for you. I'm going to throw some names, some NFL names at you. Uh, some might be good news for the Vikings. Some are tragic figures. Some are just of interest. Uh, but first, let us thank White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Always excited to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC, and my great friend, the owner, Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Guttrell. They're fantastic staff. Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and their super friendly premium team. And check out their great website, that we always talk about, the WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com website, and you'll see 0% APR on most GMC and Buick SUV models, including the stylish Encore GX. And check out the all-new all next-generation GMC Sierra 1500. Reserve yours now, and don't wait. Reserve your all-electric super truck, the Hummer EV. The White Bear Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 Van Superstore, and they're a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at whitebearlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. We recorded a recent edition of the John Krasinski Show at the offices of the new offices of TSR Injury Law. They're, they have done such good work for their clients. They now occupy the top two floors of a beautiful building in South Bloomington. The view of the lakes is just gorgeous. They earned it. They got there by winning cases for their clients. They do not charge their clients unless they win their case, and they win a lot of cases for their clients. If you ever are injured and need their particular kind of help, just call 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. A reminder about TalkNorth.com, uh, best way to listen, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free, it's easy. And if you'd like to join our large list of sponsors and advertisers, you can reach our sales executive, Karen Cleary at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. All right, I'm going to throw some names at you, Jeff. Akeem Hicks. <laughs> I'm sure that the Vikings offensive lineman and Kirk Cousins are thrilled to see Hicks sign with Tampa Bay and officially leave Chicago, uh, where he was a thorn in the Viking side sides for the past several years. And just a, a great, great defensive tackle. He had a lot of injury issues over the past few years. But when he was in there, he was basically unblockable for the Vikings interior offensive lineman. 
and especially Garrett Bradbury had a lot of trouble uh, with with Hicks. And to me, when I think of the Bears' defense over the past few years, when they were really good, I, I would think of Hicks and Khalil Mack, and and they're both gone now. Khalil Mack traded to the Chargers, and Hicks now signing with Tampa Bay, and so that really is good news for the Vikings and especially their offensive line and cousins because they're they're just not the same up front that they used to be. Oh, no doubt about it. And uh, Bradbury had to throw a party when he found out Akeem Hicks was leaving the, the division. <laughs> My goodness. All right, let's get, sure. to, let's get to a couple of sad names. Jeff Gladney and Marion Barber, uh, one former Viking, one former Gopher who had a, a, a pretty good stint in the NFL, both passed away this last week. Yeah, definitely. Very, very sad stories. Um, Marion Barber, the third, mm -hmm. super running back with, with the Gophers, with, with Maroney back in those days. And and just a sad story of, of how his kind of life after football unfolded and whatever happened there. We, we haven't really heard a lot more information yet, but but he certainly is a guy who was very well liked and had a, had a good NFL career. And, in Dallas and as, as we said great career of the Gophers and so that, that that's a sad sad story there Gladney was the 2020 first round pick of the Vikings the cornerback um, who was released by the Vikings after the al assault allegations uh, down in Texas and then uh, he ended up being exonerated of those charges found not guilty and then he signed with Arizona this offseason and then he was killed in a car crash in Dallas last weekend. And, and so, yeah, both, both sad, sad stories. Yes, absolutely. Uh, my condolences to the families. Uh, and we don't know everything about uh, their deaths, but they are tragic. All right, let's get to uh, something just more mainstream NFL news. Aaron Donald said on a podcast recently that he'd be okay without football. Sean McVay has played it down, saying he expects to see Aaron Donald soon, that Aaron Donald's is in his wedding, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, what, what's your view of Aaron Donald's situation at this moment? Yeah, I think, I think, I think Aaron is turning up the heat on the Rams, and, and he arguably the NFL's best defensive player, and, and he, when he signed his current contract, $22.5 million a year, uh, but but he's got three years left on that deal, and he was the highest-paid defensive player in the league when he signed it, and now he ranks sixth, and uh, T.J. Watt is around the $28 million level. And and so I'm sure that that's kind of what Aaron is looking for, or probably maybe wants to be the first defensive player to cross the $30 million threshold, and if anybody is worthy of that, it's probably Aaron Donald. So I'll be very surprised if the Rams don't resolve this situation. It, it puts them in a really tough spot with three years left on a contract. And, and I, can, I can certainly empathize with Les Snead, the GM, and Kevin Demoff, the COO, in this situation. Because I, I had a similar situation with Chris Dolman, future Hall of Fame defensive end for, for us at the Vikings, when I signed to a five-year deal uh, in the early 90s, and, and he had had 21 sacks, uh, I think, two years before, um, and uh, I signed him to a, a five-year deal, got, gave him a really nice uh, uh, signing bonus, and I, I talk about this when I, when I do my college speaking gigs about negotiation, that sometimes when you 
negotiate a deal that you think is a good deal. It can unravel very quickly due to things beyond your control. And in this case with Dolman, it was because free agency came to the NFL. And when I signed him, it was around $2 million a year at the time. Of course, today, Dolman would be making $25 million a year. And, and unfortunately, he passed away, I think it was two years ago. Very sad story there, too. Um, but what happened in his case was I, I gave him a deal basically the same as Reggie White and Bruce Smith, also Hall of Fame defensive ends. And it just so happened Reggie White's deal was up two years later, and free agency came to the NFL for the first time. And Reggie signed for double what Chris was making. And immediately I got a call from David Falk, his agent uh, in DC. And, and David says, if Chris can't play under this deal, and I said, David, he's got three years left on the contract. I need him to play at least one more year, get to two years left, or I'll have every player lined up at my door. And we, we couldn't reach a, an agreement. And I ended up having to trade Chris to Atlanta for a, I think a first and second round pick. And at that point, he was close to 30 years old and probably and had his best years with us. But I didn't want to trade Chris Dolman. I didn't want to lose him. We did get a couple of good players eventually out of it, but that didn't help us that year. And so I can understand how the Rams are a little apprehensive about renegotiating a deal with three years left on it. But I think in this case, Aaron Donald is so special and unique that I think you can make an argument that that hey when you produce at the level he does then come back and talk to me if you're another player complaining and even though i didn't take that position with dolman <laughs> but i think the rams may do that with aaron donald we'll see yeah and well he might be the best defensive player in the league and he just won a super bowl so i think he does have a little bit of leverage there uh and and also the the rams aren't like trying to replace all their stars with the high draft choices they're happy they want veteran players so I think he's got a lot of leverage for me to see how that plays out I have a question for you last time I was out at the Viking camp I heard that Kevin O'Connell called all the beat writers in and complained about them you know saying hey you're splitting out Dalvin Cook in these situations all that what what's I talked about this with John Krasinski on the Viking Update show too what is the proper level of paranoia about that kind of information does it i mean because i look at it and say does it really matter what you're practicing in that regard in may when every other offensive coordinator is also split dalvin cook out and every defensive coordinator every you're going to face this year knows that you might split dalvin cook out does any of this matter at all yeah i i think it's basically much ado about nothing in may now if it happened the week of a, a game the week of the opener against the packers when they're doing installation, which as we know, at that point, the media is really not even watching right. practice. Yep. But but if, if, if someone got wind of it there and wrote it, I, I think there could be justification to, to call that media person on the carpet and say, hey, uh, this can't happen. It, it kind of, it was interesting to me because it reminds me, and, and you know this very well, back in your days covering the team, that it's just such a proliferation of media compared to what we had back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, when it was basically the two beat guys were out there. Yep. <laughs> the Star, Star Tribune guy and and the, the Pioneer Press guy. And you were that Star Tribune guy at one time. You, you yep. know very well that it was just a couple of people. And today there's 20 media people out there representing various websites, various TV stations. Uh, the Vikings have their own website. And there's a couple of people covering and so it's just so different. And 
I can, in some respects, understand O'Connell planting the seed that, that, hey, we don't want this kind of information out there, but I think it really doesn't matter in May. And as you said, everybody knows that, that Cook is, is a, a versatile guy and that he can go outside, he can stay inside, whatever. But as I said, if it happened the week of a game, a regular season game, I think that's a bigger deal, or even in training camp. But that's why in training camp, they're very vanilla in what they're doing in terms of, of their their presentation because the fans are watching. So anybody from Green Bay, from their, from their staff, could have someone shooting video or something because <clears throat> it's an open practice. And that, that's a totally different deal. But yeah. I, think, I think in May at minicamp, not a big deal. But I, I think it was more about him planting the seed that, hey, we, we don't want this kind of information out there <clears throat> on a regular basis. And I think you're right. I think the main concern of modern NFL people is there are so many people out there. There are so many people. And, and let's face it, you know, in the old days, everybody knew who I was. Everybody knew who Greg Wong or Ray Richardson was. And it was a very personal relationship. It wasn't always, and doesn't mean it was always a good relationship, but it was always a personal relationship. You always knew the people you're dealing with. There are people out there taking notes now that nobody, you know, that, that very few people might know uh, and the coaches might not know. So it, it, it's a completely different thing. Uh, for me, I always just operated under the, uh, under this rule, which is that you didn't report on game strategy. So if I was at a practice and I saw you guys working on a double reverse. I'm not, I would not write that because that was game strategy. Uh, if it was at training camp, hey, that's open to the public. Everybody can see it. You can report on it. And mini camps, uh, I just never ran into a coach who cared what we wrote about the mini camps because they're so far away from real games. Yeah, and I think that's that's exactly right. And that's what what we would have hoped that, that you did, and 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 Wonger did, and and Ralph Reed back in the day in St. Paul, and. And so that that was definitely the the expectation, and yeah, I'm I'm sure Bud Bud Grant never had to call you on the carpet though, right, Jim? Uh, I you know I knew Bud, but I really covered Burnsy as my first. Yeah, you had that's coach. right, you had Burnsy, that's right. I had Burnsy, <laughs> I had Burnsy and Denny Green, and while I did butt heads with both of them on certain issues, uh, they never they never had a problem. With anything I wrote about their practices because I was pretty careful. I I didn't you know, it, two things. Number one. Uh, you know, there are rules and you have to follow them. And I was fine with that. Number two, even, you know, if you, if you were the kind of person who thought you could get ahead in some way by reporting what the Vikings were practicing, well, the, the act of, of reporting it would alter reality because if you reported that they were working on a double reverse and, and Green Bay found out that then, then they weren't going to use it. So it, it was pointless to even think of thinking that way. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and <clears throat> I think that's the, the the proper approach. And and I'm sure I'm sure Kevin O'Connell hopes that that that's the message that got through. But but we'll see. And as I said, during regular season, it, it's a whole different deal. When you were covering, you could watch an entire practice because they trusted you weren't going to write strategy. Now they kick the media out after 15 minutes because they're afraid of that. And yeah. so. Uh, besides the fact, I'm sure if Bernsey called you on the carpet, it would, would have been very colorful, right? The oh, language. it was. Oh, yes. <laughs> Jerry, and some, Jerry and I had some great – the cool thing about Bernsey was he and I would get into arguments. We'd have disagreements. Uh, and I did tick him off. And sometimes it was my fault uh, that I ticked him off. But he, he, had, he had a good heart. So he would always come back and end up being a good guy because he was at heart a good guy. Yeah, he def it definitely was. and. 
One of my favorite people, absolutely. So let's wrap up today's show. Once again, thank you to White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com, TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME, and our producer, Brianne Burdett. Uh, let's wrap up this show with just a look at the Browns. Uh, Baker Mayfield is still a Brown. Deshaun Watson is a Brown uh, who it seems like everybody expects to get a fairly sizable suspension. What do you see playing out there? I, I think the Browns are going to be one of the one of the really fascinating teams to watch this year to see if they go up or down. And they, they, there's certainly plenty of talent on that football team, and and we know the talent that Deshaun Watson has. But but he he's he is under such enormous pressure because of his off field issues and and the allegations and and the civil lawsuits and another one surfaced this week and and so I, I, it's a lot of pressure for a player uh not to mention the contract that he signed to be playing under that and so i'm not sure that he's got the greatest receiving core either we'll see uh but i think that yeah certainly you still got miles garrett uh, you still got some a lot of talent in that football team, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if they potentially took a step backwards just because there's been so much going on. And if, if Watson gets a an eight game suspension, uh, or I, I would think it would certainly be at least six games. And who knows? Maybe maybe the league will shut shut him down for a year. We'll see. Um, that's, that's not beyond the realm that they could, they could do something like that. And so I, I think in, in a lot of respects, it's going to be interesting to watch Cleveland, but I, I'm just not feeling great vibes there for Kevin Stefanski, the head coach, who, who we know very, very well coming from the Vikings. Yep. He's been put in a terrible situation. And now listen, it, there is a possibility that Watson's suspension isn't all that long and he plays spectacularly and he elevates the game that could happen but man as you said it feels like a tough position for the head coach to be in it feels like a tough situation for the team to be in uh I have no idea what's going to happen and and I just you know it, we've talked about it before I, I really regret the fact that uh you know the league decided any team in the league decided to reward Deshaun Watson to this extent uh, while he's being accused by now 23 women of sexual assault. Yeah, I, I think it's just an abomination, that contract and, and what happened. And and just um, there'll, there'll be a lot of people rooting against him. Let's, let's put it that way. No doubt about it. Next week, we'll talk about other quarterbacks, including Kirk Cousins. Thank you for listen, listening to Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. Check out the rest of the shows at TalkNorth.com, and we'll be back to talk to you soon. 